Hey, Fungo Banter fans, Eric Sorton here. Another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast here in Ellensburg, Washington at Big Country Studios. Really excited to bring you another episode of your Fungo Banter podcast. Today we're joined by Scott Kelly, head coach at Edmonds Community College. Dives into building the championship program and maintaining it for many, many years. Coach has a great insight on this and we're super excited to bring it to you. But first we need to talk about follow us on Facebook, Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Follow us on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. Please get on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. The more you guys do that, the more this gets out to new listeners in the Pacific Northwest, new coaches that might need to hear those messages that are being said. So you know what? Without further ado, let's bring on Coach and another fun episode. Well, Fungo Banter fans, we're back with our guest this week, Scott Kelly, head coach at Edmonds Community College. Coach, thanks for joining us today on the Fungo Banter. Absolutely. Uh, I've listened to most of these and sounds like a good time, so I'm excited to be get involved. Well, we're, we're happy to have you and we appreciate it. And and right away, favorite Fungo? Um, <laughs> well, I've always been a pitcher and so my assistants get mad when I grab their Fungos, but uh, <laughs> I, I used to have an old Hickory one and I thought it was the prettiest Fungo I ever had, but I mean... I'm a little violent swinger, and so they break pretty frequently with me. So, um, you know, I'm, I stick to the big old Louisvilles where I can hit really good, majestic pop flies, and that's pretty much what I stick to. I let I let my infield guys do all the infield stuff with the little guys and with the little fungos. So I stick to the old Hickory or the, the big old Louisville ones with the big heads on them. I think we just got our T-shirt slogan, and we'll quote you on it when we come up with the majestic pop fly T-shirt. <laughs> that's phenomenal. I love that saying, that, that line. All right, so talk us to your starting to coaching. Uh, you played and coached in Missouri, but but what made you come back to the Pacific Northwest? Well, I was born and raised here. Um, really, the 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 lure of coaching in the NWAC. Um, I love I love the idea of being in the middle of their career. So um, when I was done when I was done with the Padres, uh, I went back to Missouri Valley where I played and started coaching. Um, started being the pitching coach. Uh, um, my last year in spring training, I got hurt. And so they were going to send me home, but I didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, uh, so I had about two weeks to kill and I asked them, would they let me just follow their rovers around and just kind of learn how to do different aspects of coaching, um, at that level. And so they were, uh, Bill Brick, who was the assistant general manager was the minor league developer development guy there. Um, he, let me stick around. And so I just get up in the mornings and wouldn't do anything with playing or anything. I'd go, go out to the fields, go to the backfields and just kind of listen to how they instructed different things. I really, I really wanted to key in on, um, outfield and base running. I wanted to really key in on those things. And so any chance I got, uh, for those last two weeks of spring training, being hurt, couldn't do anything, knew my career was over. Um, just kind of, you know, figuring out what I was going to do next. And, so I was going to, I started coaching a American Legion team in Wyoming and just loved it. Um, didn't know really what I was going to do. Um, kind of figuring it out as I was going, wanted to finish up school. Um, so started coaching in Wyoming, had a blast, a bunch of 15 year old kids who, you know, Wyoming, they don't have high school baseball. It was basically Legion and we won some championships and, and had a blast with those kids and, just kind of started to find the passion to go do coaching. Um, 
but I knew I wanted to be in college. Uh, you know, I mean, I wanted, I'm, I'm a competitor. I love to compete. And so the idea of competing at that level, because pro ball, there's not much competing uh, other than individually, you know, for your spots, but team stuff, there's, there's not that competitive element. And so I knew I wanted to get into college. And so, um, called my old coach, um, went back to Missouri Valley and was a pitching coach, uh, my first year out of the shoots, um, had a great time. My coach was awesome. Just kind of turned it over to me. Um, let me do, let me kind of fail and succeed all in one. And, you know, you guys know with baseball, that's kind of how you have to learn when you're going forward. Um, you, you know, you're going to learn a lot more from the failures and doing things wrong than you are kind of all the successful stuff you try and figure out. But, uh, so I went back there. We had a we had a good season, um, and then going into the following year, our coach, uh, uh, the coach Bowers, who was the head coach, and he got a job in Oklahoma. And so he left about two weeks prior to um, prior to our season starting, our fall ball season starting. And so, kind of long story short, they gave me the opportunity to be the interim. Um, probably <laughs> should not have done that. I was not ready to be a college head coach. Um, but you know, uh, it was a great environment. Uh, I knew the AD, I knew the assistant AD, I knew the history of the program, the short history, successful history of the program. Um, so I, you know, went and did it, had some, some of my buddies that had played with me come in and be my assistant coaches. So, um, needless to say, that was a little rowdy and we, we had some, we had some good times. We had a good little team. Um, and then, uh, at the end of that season, I think we finished, third and uh, made it to a regional um, and at the end of the season they removed the interim and I coached the next three years out there um, ultimately you know uh, being an NWAC guy I, I wanted to get back to the NWAC um, I love the NWAC I love the being in the middle of a career not at the end of a career um, and then just getting back home uh, was a major force of me coming back so um, I think after my 2008 season out there um, came back for a visit and just kind of talked it over with my family and just made the decision, Hey, I'm going to come back. And so, um, finished up, came back, um, and started coaching at green river, uh, was the pitching coach at green river. I knew when I came back, there were certain programs that I was really interested in and in, in coaching at, or, you know, eventually hopefully being the head coach at some of the NWAC schools, you know, um, Green River was my alma mater. I played there, um, played with some great coaches, with some great players there. Um, and so I went back there and was a pitching coach for two years. We had some success, had some really good pitchers come through there. I think in my two years there, we were had five guys drafted off that staff. Um, one kid went, I think, in the fourth round. The Hebner kid went in the fourth round. Um, he, it was a year after I left, but I had him as a freshman and the Macy's and the Shadles. Those guys were, you know, having those guys and just being focused on that pitching staff. That was awesome. Um, couldn't have had a better experience. Again, had a great head coach, uh, Coach Acker. Um, just allow me to do it. Uh, let me kind of just go um, take off and go try different things. Um, <laughs> we tried a tennis ball deal um, where everybody, you know, everybody does lightweight balls now and I decided, well, let's, let's try tennis balls. Let's just throw tennis balls. And he was completely supportive. Um, and just in anything that I could try and think about or just focus on the pitchers. Um, and he was awesome. He was supportive. Um, after 2010, um, I went to St. Martin's, um, good old, good old St. Uh, St. Martin's. 
uh, coach there. I was a pitching coach there for one year. Had a blast. Uh, coach Garland, couldn't find a better guy to go coach with. Um, again, just turned it over to me. And I'll tell you, this is the greatest thing as me as a pitching coach. And this is, I'll hold this to my name. I had an all left-handed rotation. I had four lefties in the rotation. And being a left-handed pitcher myself, yeah, being a left-handed pitcher myself, I couldn't imagine, you know, that was just awesome. I mean, and I and when we had three, it was funny. We had three, and there was a fourth guy that was kind of the fringe. And, and I was like, no, let's get him in the rotation. Let's get him in the rotation just so I could have a complete left-handed rotation. And we did. We, we went and had some great success uh, that year. I think uh, we, you know, finished second in the league behind a really good Western Oregon team. Um, and so I only got to spend one year there, just kind of circumstances and where I was living. Um, so then after, after St. Martin's, um, I went to, uh, work with coach Poyle at Kent Lake for one year. Um, that was fun getting into the high school system, probably not the, not what I was looking for. Um, but you know, learned some, had some experiences, learned a lot of things that, you know, I was excited to see how kind of that stuff in the, in the WIA works and, and just the restrictions and everything. And, and then in, uh, 2013, uh, Coach Ditter left, um, went to University of Washington, and it opened up uh, Edmonds, and I got the job at Edmonds and been there since. Uh, I can speak for the lefties on Central Washington that I didn't appreciate the all-lefty pitching staff. I'm pretty sure we played <laughs> against that same squad, so <laughs> I didn't play much those weekends. <laughs> yeah, we're, si we're sitting here nodding at each other because uh, both Eric and I were on that Central team that, the year that you coached at, at St. Martin's, and yeah, we had a he had a soft left, probably all of five six, and then he yeah. had the donkey left, probably all of all of six five. Yep. Quite the difference had, of, of pitchers from that realm. Yeah, and you know, you had the you had the changeup guy in Casey and Mitchell, and then you just had the weirdo and Tommy DeBoer, and man, he was he was just awesome to watch his antics up on the mound and Mike MacGyver and you know Nate O'Brien. They, they they were fun. They were they worked hard too. Uh, that was that was what's so cool about them. Um, they fed off of each other. They were really competitive with each other. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was one of my more memorable pitching staffs that I had. Awesome. We'll talk about kind of that evolution of, of you as a coach and, and, you know, having an opportunity to be a head coach at such a young age, um, where have kind of priorities changed for you over time of, of what you look at different lenses, what, what's kind of the biggest aha maybe you've had as you've gone from a younger coach to someone that's more established now, um, at Edmonds. You know, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I started college and I was an assistant coach for one year and then I was a head coach for four years. And I'll tell you the best thing that could have ever happened was for me to go back to be an assistant coach. Um, understanding the roles of assistants and then their relationship with the head coach and then really kind of understanding, you know, as a head coach, I tried to be people I wasn't when I was a young coach, you know, I played for coach chef. I thought I'd come in and be as mean as coach chef and nobody's ever going to be able to do that. Um, I thought I'd have the energy um, or just the fierceness of my college coach, uh, Elliot Sampley out at Missouri, just, couldn't maintain it. It was just too tiring. So um, really, what really taught me out there was just kind of coach, be myself as a coach. Um, you know, don't, you can't fake it. The kids are going to know right away. Um, you know, I, I, I 
stick to the core values that those coaches taught me. Um, but trying to be my own person and trying to develop the relationships in my own way um, with my players is kind of really how it evolved moving, moving forward. Um, and then the consistency component, you know, when you're a young coach, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to sprint when the season's a marathon and, and, you know, we, the idea of like trying to do everything in a practice, um, but trying to understand um, the consistency of developing a game game practice plan um, and then not trying to overwhelm and, and, you know, understand that coaching these kids and especially at the developmental level, which I call it junior college level, which is truly is a developmental level, um, probably more so than, you know, maybe even high school, even four year, you know, um, but the consistency of just trying to stay the same and keeping the program the same. So they're the expectations of everybody that comes in is always going to be the same for each individual kid. Coach, just talk, turn uh, the page here and talk a little about the keys of your successful staff. Um, there at Edmonds, you guys got an Inuak title. You got 200 wins. Uh, you're producing four-year players to moving on. What, what has been your keys there at Edmonds? I mean, continuity. Uh, I would say continuity is the number one thing, especially at, uh, at our level. Um, you watch, you look at the great coaching staffs that we have around the NWAC. Um, Yakima's coaching staff, those guys have been together for a while. Coach Lane and uh, Coach Saunderson down in Lower Columbia have been together for a while. Um, our coaching staff's been together. Coach Gehring came in with me uh, day one. He was the first one I brought in. Um, and then Coach Omori has been there for 20 years. And so, you know, the continuity and the communication between the coaches, uh, I think, you know, we, we meet pretty much almost every night. Um, I can imagine, I think you can imagine what we're meeting over. Um, but you know, when we go have a, we have a conversation and, and at least we're talking baseball and we're always talking about the team, um, might be 20 minutes. It might be three hours, but it always tends, especially after inner squads, which we try and do as much as we can. We're always talking, um, the coaches have their roles. Um, but you know, I think when we can talk, uh, you know, we have a guy like Ron Omori who can talk to our pitching coaches and say, Hey, you know, your pitchers tipping his pitches. That's pretty helpful for us. Um, and then just getting them to understand that, you know, we're all here for the same goal. Um, ultimately it's to compete at a high level, develop our players and then get them to where they want to go, get them to the fit. They want to maybe not where they want to go so much, but the fit that's going to fit that individual player or person, um, you know, everybody would love to be in a division one uniform, but the nature of it is they're not all ready and they're not all able to do that. So finding them, getting them to understand what they want um, when they leave us um, is really, uh, is really a, a credit to my assistants because they're talking to them all the time. Um, we're in the cages. We're, we're on the field, we're doing yoga, we're doing weight room, we're in the weight room, we're always talking to them and developing. And I, I encourage my assistants to really develop a relationship with the kids they coach in their specific group. It doesn't necessarily have to always be me um, with the front line, um, but I think they see their group, their position coach probably more than they see, you know, their mom and dad once our season starts and everything like that. And so trying to get them to develop that relationship of trust um, really kind of helps with the whole development of the coaching staff and get them to understand the expectations of what we're looking for.
Hey, Banner fans. This is Glenn Walker from Auburn Mountain View, and you are listening to the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner Podcast. Go Lions! All right, so it's time to jump into our seventh inning stretch. Name brought to you by Mark Garza. Thanks, man, for for letting us know or bring this idea to us, uh, Coach. The one thing I thought you just you touched on, and how you know the success in your program, and it was something that we talked a little bit on the last podcast with Coach Thompson. But uh, talk about the success and development of the staff. But you know how important and given the responsibility to each individual guy to create that being a part of your team as a staff. You know, I'm, I, that's huge. Um, you know, as an assistant coach, you want responsibility. Uh, you want, you want, you, you want it, right? You're doing it for a reason, um, especially an assistant coach at, you know, at the, at the lower, you know, at the junior college level, you don't, you know, financially, it's, you're not getting paid and compensated for it. So it's a passion to you. So trying to keep their passion about the game and, and really get their interest in the program if they haven't come from the program is um, something that I really, really try and do. Um, you know, defining the roles and having a position-specific coach um, is huge at our level. Uh, we talk about, you know, uh, we, you know, we got a little bit more time with our individuals. We start September 1st and we go through Memorial Day weekend. Um, and so when you start talking about how much actually time we have with our, um, our athletes, it, it pales in comparison to the high school coach or, or even the NCA coaches where you got the 20 hours a week, um, limitation and then the off season limitation. Um, we stay within our guidelines, but there, our guidelines are a lot more, um, flexible for us to be able to have our hands on our kids and develop those re- relationships, um, so understanding that each coach has a role um, and a position group to go work with is big for us. Um, it's the relationship the kids can create with the coach. Um, the coach can create um, a whole plan of how he wants to do it. Um, we're constantly, you know, uh, communicating between coaches, trying to, you know, the, fir- the infield coaches and the outfield coaches will get together and say, hey, let's go work on this as a group together. Um, pitchers will say, Pitching coaches will come down and grab our infield guy like, hey, man, we got to work on our double play feeds. We're, we're, we're pretty brutal at that. And so the communication between them and the freedom that they have to where, you know, they can call me uh, the night before and I'm going to make a practice plan. I tell them I'm always going to make my practice plan about three hours before practice, um, post it, uh, try and post it about two hours before practice. Um, and so they, they're able to call me and say, hey, we need to work on this. So I can incorporate that into the practice plan. I think that helps. Um, that's that's just because of the idea that we feel we're open to communicate and kind of try and correlate or uh, work together and understand of the development of what we're looking for. And you know, our coaches, the coaches that we have and we that we bring in, um, really have an understanding of what our overall goal, not only just as a baseball program, but as an athletic department at Edmonds. Um, I can, I worked at some other athletic programs. Uh, our athletic department is f- solely geared towards the student athletes experience at Edmonds. Um, and so with that in mind, with those guys, it's gotta be fun. It's gotta be, they gotta learn. Um, they gotta want to come back. They gotta come with a coachable attitude. And I think with, we focus on development so much, um, that sometimes it can get pretty stale 
and monotonous. And so the idea of trying to get them and the coaches to come up with ways for us to compete um, is really fun. Um, you know, it might be different different avenues of how we're competing. It might be a bunk, uh, bunk contest. It might be execution contests. It might be just, you know, fireball or, you know, and firing balls, fungos at guys and just seeing who can last the longest, creating that environment of what's going to happen next for our athletes is really kind of our coach's role. Um, we want them to be excited to come to practice. I know if I just sit there and write the same practice plan, it can get pretty stale and it can get really, you know, because we're going to do the same thing. We're going to bunt every day. We're going to do base running every day. And then we're going to break up into our individual position breaks. But, you know, having them give input and having them with the freedom to give input um, for the coach, for the practice plans, I think allows them to get a little bit more creative and puts a little bit more vested interest in them where they can come in and say, okay, it's not going to be the old, okay, four spot fungo, two spot fungo. It's, hey, I want to do this. And they have the freedom to go do that in the time frames that I give them. And so I think, you know, we talk about continuity and I think that just really helps with the development of the staff, um, you know, and then, and then when we bring new, when we decide that we do want to um, bring in a new coach, um, we, I sit, it's not just my decision. Um, I sit down with the other coaches, especially coach Gearing, who's been with me the whole time. And I kind of ask, what are we missing? Um, you know, I mean, are we missing? You know, obviously certain things will dictate what we're missing. We're missing an infield coach. We're missing this. Okay. Well, what kind of an infield coach do we want? Well, we probably want a high energy one because you know, we're, we're a little bit more lethargic and laid back on some days. So let's try and kind of inject some, you know, some energy into our coaching staff. And so changing it up is, I think helps a lot too. Um, moving coaches along is huge young coaches trying to develop them to get them to the levels they want to go to um, and trying to get them to understand you know like kind of like how I was when I was an assistant coach um, failure fail you know figure out how to fail um, learn from your failures and move on but you know if you're just going to sit there and go out there and I'm not looking for the coach that's just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'm looking for the coach to say, Hey, have you tried this? What's, what can we do different? Because, you know, I got a big staff. Uh, we, uh, there's, there's six of them, uh, and they all come from different backgrounds and they're all, they're all different. Three of them are Edmonds lifers. Um, and it's cool to see the difference between when they played at Edmonds and even a guy coached back in the past with Edmonds, um, and then I got guys from different programs that kind of bring a little bit something different and really just putting the ego aside and kind of just letting them kind of coach me a little bit and learn a little bit from different things. You know, we want to talk about being continual learners in this game. Um, I don't have all the answers and I know if I trust those six guys enough to let them deal with the players that I care so much about, I got to trust them to be able to listen to them a little bit too. And one of the things you talked about there that it was it was something we did new this year, and it was the practice plan and how I, I used to always release it the night before practice, and this is what it was going to be. And th then I went to the morning of, and my assistant coaches hated it because a couple of them were college students that weren't up at 5 a.m. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I got to the point where I wouldn't send the practice plan out this year for the two weeks we had at, until like 1 o'clock. And whether it was this the a coincidence or not, but that was about 11, 12 o'clock during the day, I would get random text messages from my assistants. Hey, why don't we try this today? that maybe this is what we need to do. And I, I'm curious to know if that's, if it was because I gave him a little bit more time we had talked about the night before, but I thought it was interesting that you said that 
and I had seen some results this year because of that. It, it, you hit it right on the head. I did that in the past too. You know, I, my idea was okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna post I'm gonna post tomorrow's practice plan at the end of this practice. Well, you know that means I already planned it. You know, and so my assistant coaches look at it and they're like, well. I don't want to, you know, you already have this plan. I don't want to come in here and change it. And so when I, when I kind of started to post it a little bit before practice, you know, I always try and get it up two hours before practice. I did see that too, is, you know, I'd start getting calls. Have you posted it yet? I'd really like to try this. And, you know, typical, typical coaches, you know, we're going to go right down to the minute. So, you know, I got, I got about five minutes before I'm going to post it and I get three texts. Pitching coach wants to do this. Infield guy wants to do that. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that, you know, uh, they're engaged in the practice. They're, they're, they're excited about the practice. Um, we're changing it up, which allows our players to, you know, benefit from that. Um, and so, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, the, the, I used to think that I could be so organized and do it that way, but, uh, I did start to find that when I put it up later, um, I started to let some of these the, the, the poor qualities of a, of an assistant coach of, of procrastination. I let that kind of come out and let, uh, I guess I enabled that a little bit, <laughs> but I definitely like that they give us the input as opposed to just one voice because, you know, one person can't do it by themselves um, for the grand scheme of what we want to do in our program. Yeah. I think you talk about, you know, just how you guys are able to get together after practice each day, whether formally or, or informally, um, you start to get a sense of their pulse of things, you know, that whether they say directly, we need to work on tag plays at second base tomorrow, or they just said, man, that, that ball that we missed today really cost. I mean, you can really get a sense for what they're thinking just by having those communications, um, informally and, and just breaking down and debriefing that practice that day, maybe that game and that weekend. But, um, the other thing is with them being so tight in the position standpoint, they can get really good sense of what we're doing really well at or what we're not doing really well at, uh, maybe as a hitter or as a pitcher. So we're going to manipulate scrimmages to try to match those things that they're either really doing well at to validate it or maybe the things that we're struggling with. Okay, let's try to expose this a little bit in a live setting today by doing an O2 scrimmage or something like that. So I think the more that we can you know, keep that pulse for them, they're going to tell you what you want without explicitly saying we need to do this. Yeah. And the other side of it too is they know who's hurt, they know who's injured, they know who's needs a needs a rest, they know who needs some time. You know, and my guys don't want to tell the head coach. You know, I'm I'm a little sore because my first thing is okay. Well, let's 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 rest you real quick. Let's you know maybe, especially in settings. You know, if we're not in the middle of a season and we're not chasing a championship and we can allow these kids to rest, you know that's that's my first thought. And so I think they get a little bit more nervous to come tell me they're a little banged up because uh, I'm, I'm you know I'm my my number one priority is their safety and security and you know and their health and and the durability of what I know a season takes in the NWAC when you play four games on you know in the north we play four nines in 48 hours uh that's that's a lot of innings um I don't I don't know if the body's supposed to be able to do that um, you know, I know you guys in the GNAC do the same thing. I don't know if you guys are still with the sevens and the nines, but that's a lot of innings on a weekend. Um, you know, and so I think the idea of, you know, they have the pulse of how, how the health is of their group, you know, um, this year, you know, we, you know, kind of come up and we had the advantage this year of, of the, of the quick 
14 games that we played is we had a big roster. And so if somebody was hurting a little bit, I had the luxury of being like, okay, let's, let's just sit you out and get you ready and get you ready for when it matters and, and get you in front of the coaches that you want to go play for. It does you no good to try and get recruited by this kid and your, your side hurts and you can't finish your swing and you're, you're about 60%. I mean, that's not doing you any good. You might as well just sit down and tell the coach, Hey, come back and see him another time. And so I think having the pulse of your players is huge for them. That's a great statement from. I think too, you know, coach, it's kind of that, that good cop, bad cop, you know, you have those, they have those great relationships with your assistants and, you know, I have it there at prep, you know, my assistant comes and says, you know, so-and-so's legs bothering him. And I'm thinking, why don't you just come tell me that? Well, you know, you got a lot on your mind and you're preparing for a league game against Kittitas and you know how much, how important it is. And so, you know, it, that is, it's good to have those relationships. They can feel, build those trusts. And like you're saying, you know, those relationships are almost tighter than, you know, mom and dad's relationships at home. And so I want to ask you, coach, um, how, what's your team motto? Does it change year to year? Uh, how important is that with your staff and, and with your team there at Edmonds? It, it's very important. Um, and, and it does change year to year. I, I try and get the kids to kind of come up on, uh, with something because if they can pick it then and they can kind of get behind it, then it has more meaning as opposed to just something me saying. Um, but it, it's big for us because it's it's our keyword. Um, it's our When we hear it, it's forget about everything, forget about – my dog ran away. Forget about I'm late with homework. Uh, you know, I'm not getting along with the girlfriend. It's, it's, this is baseball. This is what I'm here to do. Um, for these two and a half to three hours, you know, I'm going to focus in on that phrase. You know, we, we use ETO a lot, um, which, you know, uh, just really kind of defined our, when we won the championship in 2014 and, and it kind of just took off from that point. Um, but each co each team kind of comes up with their own, um, we try and steer them in a direction to get to it. Um, but it's funny how it always ends up being back to ETO because we'll have some of our guys from our championship team come in and talk and some past championship teams. And they really talk about, and they, and all in, in the, the, the weird thing about championships and correlation is, is every team that has won a championship through here has a motto. Uh, and I'm sure you guys experience that too, is championship teams normally have a motto. Um, you know, a, a word that they can clue in on and it's like, okay, this is what we're going to go do. This is how we do it. Um, so I think they're important. I think trying to define them and trying to say as the head coach, this is what it's going to be. I think that's tough because I think they have to take ownership on it. And I think I really try and steer our captains every year into finding what you think could be that clued in word or that word that we use or phrase. And I think as a, as a coaching staff, I think we lead our, our captains to it. Um, but you know, some years we don't have a strong captain, um, presence and it kind of falls by the wayside. And, and honestly, I can tell by the season that there is nothing there. You know, there's no, okay, let's reset, let's get after it. It's ETO, it's Titleville, it's whatever it is. Um, you know, how do we get to that? And then some teams just don't really buy into it. And you can kind of really see about, you know, when you're in the eighth inning and you're playing Bellevue and you're down a run and you got second and third and one out and, you know, you see guys dialed in and the dugouts chanting and we're talking and you're hearing it coming from the dugout time and time again. Um, and then there's the other games where, you know, we don't have that and, and there's nothing coming from the dugout and there's no 
switch that you can flip to really kind of get after it a little bit and kind of give it that extra, that little bit extra focus that you need to kind of get to that championship level. You know, I think in today's society, I think that's such a good thing to have because not only for the aspect of getting the kids to make sure that they're not thinking about all those extra things during the time of baseball, but to give kids nowadays who have the social media and everything at the tip of their fingers 24 seven, they need to have two and a half hours just to think baseball and forget about all the extra crap in the world, but to be able to just totally buy in to being just a baseball guy. Yeah. We have a basketball coach um, at Edmonds and he's a championship caliber coach, coach gray. And right when I got here, I started to kind of watch about how he did his mental preparation um, in the, you know, the quiet time. And then he really, he really kind of turned my eyes onto that. And then he, he kind of takes it a little bit step, a little step farther. You have the team motto, but each individual guy has a word, you know, and it's, and it's a, it's a word that they know that, you know, you, you, they find it, they find that word. Um, and, and they can have, you know, one, there's kind of two, there's, it's kind of a two pronged deal. It's, why am I doing this? Well, I want to be an MVP. I want to be, you know, I've seen some of them, you know, where desire, passion and MVP and just whatever word kind of get your mind to go there. And then on the other side of it, it's what word can get you reset? Um, You know, that might be a different word. Um, And so a lot of things that we talk about is, you know, words mean things and we don't say them. We don't say them that if we don't need to, and we don't, you know, we, we want to be, passionate behind the words that we say and you know trying to get guys to understand you know what word gets me turned on what gets me going what gets me hyped what's my goal what's 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 the one word that can focus me into everything that I want to do in baseball and then what's the other word that can just say I need to reset I need to get back to this I'm not going towards that one word and so I think trying to get them to understand and and we post the words you know that's we'll, we'll we'll post the words and we'll move forward. And that's kind of some, some of the stuff that we're kind of getting into now is learning what those words are for each individual. Um, you know, as much as we can do on zoom meetings and trying to get the mental side of it going, this is kind of where we're headed towards at this point. And, and we'll see if it gives us a leg up next year. You know, we're incorporating the younger guys that are going to be signed and coming in in the fall. And this is going to be a lot of stuff that we really spend a lot of time on normally in the fall and, an early part of the season that we're going to be getting done with now. And we're going to see the correlation on how much, how much more mentally ready we are when we come in for a practice or a meeting or a game or, you know, a Bellevue weekend or an Everett weekend, you know, those are the things that we need to try and find where those words really correlate to get us to play at the highest level. Kind of like, you know, a Notre Dame has that banner when you run out, right. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is, but it, it's just words mean things to these kids and, I think when they understand which ones can really kind of get them going and which ones can kind of get them back to center, I think that helps them a lot. Like you say, especially now when you have so much stimulation and so much distractions and everything to try and simplify of what, what am I trying to get to? Where's my goal? What's my ultimate deal? This is the one word I can use that says all of that. And so that's what we're really trying to get to. You know, talk about, uh, Talk about the importance of kind of balancing winning games and moving guys on. I know you, you mentioned the comment that you're the kind of the middle part of a, of a baseball player's career between high school and that next level, whether that's college or, or pro. But um, 
how, how do you manage those two things so they can both coexist to being able to get guys enough at bats to showcase themselves or or you know be ready to go for the next year and but you got to win a game because you're going after a north title i mean with how, how do those two things kind of work hand in hand for you? How do you view maybe preseason, regular season, postseason, and to balance that out? Um, that's a good question. I mean, and that's kind of the what we what we kind of wrestle with at this level, you know. Um, ultimately, when we come in, you know, and, and we have a team goal, our team goal is to win the NMAC championship every year. Um, as a coach, as it, my goal doesn't really line up with that. I mean, my 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 ultimate team goal is to win a championship and coach these guys to try and develop the skills and develop the the want and the need and the know how to go do that. But my true my where I find where we are successful as a program is how do we get these kids to the next level that fits them? Um, not necessarily just the next highest level, but what level fits them. Um, you know, uh, you know, certain guys, um, fit at division three, division two, NAIA, um, division one. Um, but I think when you talk about winning and correlating it to moving guys on is, you know, the highest, the highest programs where guys do move on, it correlates with their win percentage too. I mean, you look at the top teams in the NWAC, um, the Yakima's that move guys on, Lower Columbia's, you know, Tacoma's, Bellevue, Everett's, us, they're also competing for championships at a high level too, um, which means the the probably what, you know, the the history of the program has brought in great athletes in there, and their goal is to move on with the people that have done it in the past through that program. Um, but I think getting them, I think the toughest part is trying to get a 19 to 21 year old kid who said he wanted to be in a division one dugout since he was 14, that that might not be the best fit for you. Um, you know, I tell kids, you know, you come into a program and we teach you and we compete about everything we do. And I think when kids walk out of here, they have a competitive fire um, and they work really hard to figure out how to compete at a high level. And, you know, I don't necessarily think, you know, going and sitting in a dugout, and getting seven innings in the back end of a bullpen is probably really conducive to what your mentality is. And so, you know, getting them to understand and getting them to understand what's important to them and what they're looking for as a player, I think is kind of, is really the number one goal that I'm looking to try and get done. Um, I, you know, the, we have deals where we talk about all the time with our sophomores of where do you want to go after here? Well, I want to be a D1 player. Okay. You want to play summer ball? Uh, no, I'm going to work. Well, you know, there's a correlation to that. D1 guys play all summer. It's their job. That's what they're doing. And so trying to get them to understand that maybe it's not the level that I thought that was going to be where I was going to be when I was 16 or 17, but this is where I'm going to go play because I'm going to play a high level. I'm going to have a great time. Academically, it's a fit. Financially, it's a fit. Um, and they kind of fall along the same lines that I've kind of developed at Edmonds of competing and trying to always play for a championship. Coaches want winners, right? All you head coaches want winners. Absolutely. Uh, wrinkles for that's winners. True. That's right. No, that's true. Hey coach, I was going to backstep there a little bit. You're talking about the, this is all the, the uh, meditation, you know, preparation, the one words, um, you know, we tried doing that a little bit 
this early on in the spring. And, you know, I, I found that the, it was super productive. Um, we found that our guys were more prepared for what was going to be on hand um, on, on task. You know, we, we basically took about five minutes of that time. Um, kind of backtracking on the one word thing. Is that something they, that they say to themselves or is that something they say, you know, verbally? I mean, is that something where they have, they tell you, you it's accountability. I mean, how does, how do you work in that one word um, statement that they're playing for? Well, we'll go through and, and we'll, we'll find the word and, and it's, uh, it, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a strong believer that, you know, negative action and negative thought, right? Uh, if, if, if you say it out loud, it's going to happen, you know, and, and it's a direct correlation on your well-being is if you're talking, if your self-talk is negative and you verbalize it, it's most likely going to happen. Now, sometimes you can sit there and think, God, I got to execute that pitch. And how am I not getting that done? And you might say that to yourself internally, but it's, it can, the word can be used anyway. Um, a coach can use it to remind the player, you know, uh, Hey, you, you know, you're not competing. You, you know, your, your whole thing about being here was I'm a competitor. You're not competing today, you know, and it kind of, it's not, it's not a, it's not a degrading conversation. It's just like, Hey, this is, you know, this is the, what's supposed to get you going. And so, you know, I, I like to have them say it, you know, um, I'll have them, you know, if, if they're struggling, you know, I try and talk to them a little bit about it and I'll be like, well, where are you at with, you know, your self-talk? Um, are we, are we talking about how much we're struggling? Are we talking about, um, I'm not going to get this done. Am I not going to get this done? Or, are we understanding that the details take care of everything? And, you know, we talk about every coach talks about the process, but, you know, understanding that how do I get to do the process right? And my mindset has to be right. And this word that you, you went on is really the word that can kind of get your mindset going to what you're really focused on getting done. Well, coach, I got a couple questions to wrap this thing up for you. The first one I want to ask you so far you know, baseball and coaching and the moments and the memories of stuff so far, what's the best moment that you've had so far since you've been there Edmonds? Oh man. Um, well, winning championship, as far as the coaching goes, that's gotta be one of them. Um, it was such an interesting ninth inning of that game. Um, just quick claimer coach Yoshino was thrown out for the only coach of the only game of his career in that championship game. So, um, it was just such an interesting ninth inning that happened. And so that was, that was one, um, you know, every year when we get done and, and we really look at the whole aspect of what the season did and what the, and what the, the team did and what the players did, it's all about moving them on. Um, that's the proudest moment for me. I think in 2018, we had a, we had a great team, um, had a bunch of red shirts, uh, th three-year red shirt guys, um, had 13 guys go out. 11 of them went to colleges to play. Um, the other two, one went to Foster's business school and then one went into the fire Academy. And so that was, that was a really proud moment for me that they all got what they wanted from Edmonds. Um, they got to the schools that they thought were the fit. Um, they got the education. They had a great experience. Uh, we didn't win a championship that year, but that's probably the tightest group that we've had here. Um, you know, the Elliot Carneys and the Lucas Fords and Guthrie Morrisons. Um, that was a great team, and and they just really enjoyed being around each other. And so, those are those are kind of one moment. Probably there probably isn't one because 
I love my job. I love my school. I love my program. So I, I try and value and cherish a lot of the moments that we have there. But uh, ultimately, I gauge our success um, as a coaching staff on where kids are going when they're done with us. And so I think we've done pretty good over the years to get to that point. And I think, yeah, watching kids go to where they want to get their degrees when they're done with us. Uh, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, we have a high we have a high percentage of graduation getting their associate's degrees. So when they do go to the next level, they're prepared and they're not, you know, taking classes that they don't need to. And so, um, yeah, I'd say moving the kids along would probably be right up there for my top moments. That's awesome. And, you know, you've, you've said a lot of good things, but if I'm a 17, 16, 17, 18 year old high school kid right now, thinking about Edmonds is your last opportunity. What's, what's just, what do you want them to know about your program and why, if they're the right fit, they should come to your school? Well, we're going to find the kid, you know, you're going to learn how to be a student. You're going to learn how to be an athlete. You're going to learn how to be an adult. Um, those are things that we really value in our program. Um, accountability. Uh, we got, you know, I, I stole this from coach Megs, you know, and I try and explain the four pillars, the four pillars of our program, um, you know, and so when we start talking about, you know, the four pillars of our program, we talk about the focus to the details, um, controlling the controllables, compete in everything you do on and off the field. Um, a great line from Michael Jordan, tie, I, I compete, tie in my shoes. Um, I'm going to beat you at everything. Um, and then the accountability, you know, good or bad. Um, when you come to me and in the spring and I start making my roster and, and we start putting, you know, okay, this guy's going to be our starting second baseman. And, you know, and why am I not starting? Well, you miss seven weight room sessions, you know, you, you're late to practice. You're a five minute guy. Those are, those are qualities that aren't going to kind of get you in the lineup. And so understanding that when you walk in the door, you're competing for a spot. There's not one spot from year to year that is going to be given. So every individual that walks in has the ability to get on the field this spring and compete and give their self the opportunity to go do what they want to do after Edmonds. Um, what you do with your opportunity is going to kind of be where your, where your opportunities in the spring are going to lie to tell you the truth. And so just, you know, straight shoot them, tell them the truth, um, get them to understand, you know, what we're about. Um, we're about development. So we're looking for guys that are going to come in and be ready to be coached not have the, you know, I know we're in the why, why mentality. Uh, I can't get over it. Um, you know, and so we have to explain everything, but there's nothing wrong with that. If your questions are thoughtful and engaging and understanding, but you know, the understanding of this is why we're going to do it and why, why we've done it like this in the past. Um, those are questions, you know, that we get from time to time, but I think we do a good job of getting them to understand our core values um, of what we're looking for, for players, you know, we want the student first, so we don't have to worry about the classes and worry about, are you going to be eligible? Um, you know, we don't want that. Um, we want the guys that understand taking care of this detail gets me to be able to take care of this detail. Um, so yeah, I think just understanding the core values of our program, the kind of the four, four pillars of our program is kind of the, what we'd explain to a young, young recruit coming in. That's awesome. Well, Coach, thank you for joining us. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Oh, shoot. Um, my email is online. Um, you can go to – and my cell phone's on our website. Um, yeah, so any way, any way you can. Not very adapt on social media and doing DMs and stuff like that <laughs> on social media. 
but uh, a phone call or a text conversation or an email that's that's awesome awesome well, we really appreciate you joining us and taking some time out of your day that was awesome i had a great time thanks guys appreciate thanks, that coach well we'll be right back to close us out with uh kelly and jason all right we're heading to the bullpen gonna wrap this episode up with our takes i guys i uh i i I commented quite a bit when he was talking about it but i one of the things i liked and and i've seen results in it in a couple weeks at least was how uh the practice planning and giving your guys the opportunity to understand that your input matters to me. And I thought where I posted practice plans later, like we said, kind of gave us, I, I gave us a better, we had better practice organization because we, we had a little, little bit more time to think about it. And the other thing was just having a, re, a way to communicate with everybody. And, and, you know, whether it's sending out in a group me message or a Snapchat, or I, I obviously send it all in a text message to my guys throw it out, but just communicating with them what we're going to do. And yeah, it was awesome. I, that was a great interview and, and thanks to coach to join us today. You know, yeah, it was really solid. Um, you know, I mean, anytime you get touched about coaching staff, um, you know, preparations and those things in the mental side of it, you know, guys, I, I'm really big on that mental side of the game. You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, 90% of it's mental and 10% is what you're actually your ability, you know? And I think, you know, what the coach Kelly's talking about preparation of that is so important to our success on the field, you know, and, and picking that one word thing, you know, that that's kind of a little something I'm going to add to my arsenal for this next next coming spring here is that that one word thing and, and kind of keeping that accountability um, with the player, you know, and, and, you know, who you always talk about who you're playing for, <laughs> and uh you know it's uh it helps with our success on the field um knowing you know who, you know and having that accountability you know coming from the top um from our coach um or players you know itself and so you, you know, that collaboration of that building developing that that uh environment i mean i yeah I, you just you're gonna have a lot more w's on that field than you actually realize. And it's still really, it comes down to the small things. And, you know, ultimately everybody wants to play in a win, you know, we don't play to go out there and, and lose, you know, and, and that's the thing. And, and kind of last thing I've kind of had, it will really like what coach Kelly was talking about is, is that, you know, it's not about us as coaches. It's about our players. You know, I mean, talking about all the success this coaching staff's had getting the NWAC title there. And, you know, I mean, put it on our players. I mean, ultimately guys our our job as coaches is to prepare our players for that next level or you know you know for you kelly it's preparing those men to be husbands and fathers and 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 better employees to their bosses i mean everything and so if we're doing our job as coaches and and i think so much plays into sports and life you know and, and it can teach us so much that you know and i think we just sometimes we forget that that how much impact that we have as coaches because of our time spent. Um, and some of these kids, you know, that we work with, maybe relationship isn't as great at home, you know? And so, uh, you know, we, we have huge uh, responsibilities as coaches to, uh, to do our part. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that, that hits me is, 
is that winning is a byproduct of of doing things the right way, you know, and I know that's a tough part about the NWAC system is that yeah, there is a balance between, uh, between developing players and um, trying to win ball games, you know, and, and when you're looking at recruiting guys, I mean, you're looking at the guys that are everyday starters and everyday players, but there's a lot of good NWAC players that are maybe not getting as much opportunities. And a lot of that comes down to relationships you have with coaches and, and hearing stuff that, they have to say about the players that maybe didn't get as much of an opportunity because there might be a division one starter at the position that he plays at. Um, but if you're doing things the right way in the weight room, having goals, goal setting, um, you're going to win ball games by just purely developing players. Um, and they're going to move on because, you know, as us as coaches, we want winning players and guys that come from winning programs. And, and we've been fortunate to have a couple Edmonds players uh, within our system that have been, phenomenal players um they might not necessarily been everyday all league players for them but they were part of a system that was built on building guys to be prepared for the next level um and i think there's a lot of really really good guys at the nlac level that believe in those things but uh, the other thing i really like is just that that closeness of staff of of being able to have a pulse of your team um through your staff uh, the injury piece is another big one too, because you, you just don't see how a guy is moving in an everyday setting. And I, and I get that a lot from guys that say, Hey, he's not moving really great. You know, he, he might be saving it for the team drills when everyone's watching, but when he's doing his drop steps in the outfield or, or blocking uh, from a catching standpoint or whatever it is, he might show those signs of being um, not fully healthy and, and really listening to staff from that mindset or that standpoint. Um, can really help prepare you to make some decisions. But um, it's it's a lot to take on. And, and I think if, if you have trust and you have faith in those ones of people around you, um, you can really be so much better of a unit by just taking in all the voices, even if it's not direct. There's indirect things you can pick up on, um, but just how guys are communicating on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Agreed. Let me turn my volume back up so I can talk again. Sorry, guys. Uh, I, I think you totally hit the nail on the head. I think that's been yeah. a pretty reoccurring theme of things. And, yeah. you know, when he was talking about stuff, it was guys that do the thing that aren't doing the things and not getting to play are guys that are going to get fired and their jobs for doing the same things later on. Mm-hmm. I agree. I want to throw something out there for all your banter fans. The reason I was <laughs> in a bit of a conversation with a laugh because Mr. Sorensen here decided to hide his face in front of a mic to, uh, to my, bite down on but some. My wife brought me some banana bread. All right. And it's <laughs> phenomenal. She's a so <laughs> I want to throw something out to you, Banter fans who are listening. If you guys want us to go live on this thing, um, hit us some response on Twitter. Um, we've been having some conversation, Kelly and I and Eric, about possibly going on this live. And, you know, seeing you guys visually here, <laughs> I think we bring some uh, it's a great good time. chuckle here to our fans. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we need to make it happen. Uh, so hit us up. Uh, the other thing we'd like you guys to do is get on iTunes. When you're on iTunes, if that's where you're listening, subscribe. Please rate and review. Uh, the more reviews and the ratings we get, the more it gets out. So more people in our coaching community can find this and we can spread the word more. Uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of good messages coming from a lot of people from the Northwest that it's a shame that not everybody's getting to know. And, uh, but that, that's a way to help us is get on there, rate, review, subscribe, 
and share you know when we put things on twitter go ahead and communicate with us and share it and let everybody know so, well guys i think that wraps it up another great time um like i said we're on facebook at or pacific northwest fungo banter on twitter at fungo banter pnw itunes spotify google podcast all of the above and you know what stay healthy take care of one another and let's get back to baseball <laughs>